She floats through the skies and makes incredible diving plays. She is fearless. She fights. She's fast, furious, and is also a trailblazer. She's the first female Golden Glove winner. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Well, her name is AJ Andrews. She is one of the greatest ambassadors in our sport, and she is a trailblazer in all areas. This week on the pod, we get to know AJ. We get to know how her dad was one of the most confident people she knew growing up and why it helped her step into a room on the field with a tall chest, knowing she was capable to do some damage wherever she was. She also talks about her story of when she got recruited. She's played in the NPF and she goes into the story of how she was not being looked at by LSU, but just so happened to make a magical catch in the outfield that caught Beth Tarina's attention while she played. She talks about the purpose of going all in in every play you make because you never know who's going to be watching. She talks about how many failures have led to her successes. She talks about some of the other best things Beth Tarina taught her at LSU. And she goes into who her most inspirational athletes were that she looked up to, people like Muhammad Ali and Kobe Bryant. Now, one of my favorite things that we talk about is confidence and swagger. If your athlete maybe struggles with this a little bit, this is going to be her episode. Why? Because AJ is one of the most confident people you will ever see play our game. And she even talks about a little bit of how she lacked confidence from time to time and how that is normal. So learn from one of the greatest to ever play our game. One of the fastest, one of the most athletic, one of the most positive and confident female athletes, AJ Andrews. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes, and especially youth athletes, and I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just going to dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. 
are live. AJ Andrews is in the house. Hey girl, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. <sighs> so excited to talk to you today. This is a long time coming, actually. I've wanted you on the podcast forever because of all the great work that you've been doing. You're such an empowering leader in our game. And, you know, if people don't know this, the first female Golden Glove winner is in our presence. So we need to like start off with that. This was something, didn't you get it? Was it 2015 or 16 when you got it? 16. 16. So that was my second year, I think, in the pro league. And wasn't it yours too? Yeah. Tell me about all the emotions you had when you received this award. Yeah. So I think that at first, like when we had heard that they were going to be giving the Gold Glove Award, I thought it was just going to be some nuance or just some like woman's version. I didn't think it was going to be the real Gold Glove. Mm -hmm. And so then I think once they announced the three finalists, it kind of got real. And they were explaining, oh, no, this is the real Gold Glove that MLB players receive. And I was just thinking, oh gosh, like whoever wins this is this is this is a big deal. Like this is it. And <laughs> yeah. um, I remember going to the end of the year banquet that we have, and I'm sitting there at the table, and preparing for whoever is going to win. And like I'm in my mind, I'm saying the other two finalists' name because I, you know I got to this point now where I'm, I'm nervous, I'm excited, and I hadn't thought much about it. You nervous? Are you I, kidding? I was. I know, huh? Like. <laughs> You cared? <laughs> and I was just like sitting at the table though. Because you know how like if you, to avoid disappointment, I was like, okay, it's going to be so-and-so. It's going to be so-and-so. So I'm like saying their names. And then I was saying it to the point where I didn't even hear my name get called. Amy was sitting next to me, my teammate. She shrugged me. She's like, AJ, it's you. And I'm like, I think I'm like looking down. I'm like, <gasps> and then I get up and I go to get the award and I'm like about to cry. I'm like, oh. So I'll take pictures. I'm like tearing up and stuff. And, you know, I think for me, the emotions and just the thoughts that kind of came in my mind was, wow, this is something that is history making, right? And this is something for, of course, for me is amazing. It's only one first, right? So many girls get to win, but it's only one first. But I think the opportunity for so many young girls to now have bigger dreams was what hit me the most, right? The fact that so many young boys walk around and say, I want to be a gold lover. I want to do this. And it was never a thought for a girl to say that in softball. And now it is, right? That barrier had been broken. And so for me, the emotions of that was just how I was really able to kind of break down a barrier for so many young girls to walk through. And that meant the world to me. Mm. And I love that you're already using the term barrier breaking because later on, we're going to dive into your podcast, which is brand new to the world. And I'm so excited to highlight that a little bit later in this conversation, but we have to like get to know AJ a little bit more, especially from like the conception of loving the game. So can you kind of take us through your softball journey from like when it first started to where it's brought you to today? Sure. Yeah. So I started playing softball a lot later than a lot of people, I assume. And I started playing when I was 11. I was actually an avid soccer player when I was younger. I played soccer. I was a cheerleader. I played basketball. Softball was actually the last sport I picked up. <laughs> and so when I started playing softball, it was because my mom played in a co-ed league. And I remember just going to her games. And I used to love going to her games because everyone on her team had kids. And so it was just the most fun to go and just play on playground with those kids but she asked me if i wanted to try softball and when i tell you i tried every sport like i tried swimming i tried tennis i tried i think volleyball is probably the only sport i didn't actually give a real try to mm -hmm. and so then i'm going in to softball and you know start with Oldsmar little league when i was younger 
And, you know, I think it was really cool because softball was really the first sport. I'm super competitive, super competitive kid. Like having fun was never a priority to me. I wanted to win even when I was like eight. And, you know, I think softball was one of the first sports where I genuinely had fun first. And I was just, this is so exciting. And just the camaraderie, being able to have the cheers back and forth. I didn't have that in any of the sports that I played other than cheerleading, right? But, you know, it was still different. And, you know, I think that as I move forward in the career of softball, I just remember the first time I'm from Florida. And so the grass gets really dewy in the morning. And so it's, it's wet. And I remember one of our games were in the morning and I don't know, I was a ball in the air and I made my first diving catch. And I just slid across the grass and I was like, this is the coolest and most yeah. fun thing ever. It's like a slip and slide. No better feeling. People do. Yes. I know. I'm like, why don't people do this all the time? <laughs> and like I get, you know, nine months from Florida, the grass is always wet. But for me, it was just the kind of the setting the stage of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to freaking dive all these balls and slide across the grass. And, you know, from Little League, I went on to play travel ball. I played with the Clearwater Bombers, and then also played with Team Florida. Team Florida is no longer around, but I think the Bombers still are. And then from that, I ended up getting recruited my junior year in high school, which I went to Countryside High School. And, you know, my story about getting recruited, honestly, I think it's an important one to tell because it literally is the power of one moment. I made a diving catch in high school. I think we're playing down south in Miami. And as an LSU coach was walking by and, you know, I made all these different catches, but if for whatever reason, if I just didn't die for that one ball in that one moment, my entire life could be different. Right. Whoa. And, you know, and it's because I never took a rep off. Right. I didn't know who was watching me. I had no idea an LSU coach was walking by, but because my goal was always to make that play, to make that catch ever since that first time I slid across the grass when I was, 11 or 12 years old, that resulted in me getting recruited to LSU and going to LSU, becoming an All-American and setting the stage to be drafted to play in the pro league to set the stage to me, continuing my goal of, I always want to make the play. I never know who knew was watching. We had no idea someone was going to win the gold glove that year. They didn't announce that till the end of season, but my mentality is always, I'm going to make the play. And what happened from those moments never concerned about who's watching or what I was going to get from it. I ended up winning a gold glove. So the power of moments, the power of never taking a rep off, I think as far as my journey is concerned and also remembering why I love it, right? First dive sliding across the grass. Um, I think that that's really how my journey led to me being here now. Oh, that's so powerful. Let's backpack that because <laughs> I think so many girls are hesitant to make the play because they're like, well, what if I fail? What if I miss it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure it took a lot of misses for you to realize, okay, I learned a ton on that one. I probably should stay up on this ball. But like when you have a chance, you only know if you go all out, like you only know if you can make the play, if you go all out and make it like there's no in between. And like with the mentality of like, I'm going to make the play, I'm going to go all out all the time. It didn't always work in your favor, I'm sure. But I mean, you get the ESPN place when you do and you get (laughs) recruited to LSU when you do. So all of those, especially because I know parents are on here, they're probably like, oh my gosh, how can I make my athlete think like that? Just say, go all out and truly tell them, praise them when they dive and miss because at least they tried. 
You know, yeah. I think, oh, I think that is so powerful. Okay. So you said that you always wanted to win. You're super competitive and you didn't have fun until you played softball. What made you so competitive at a young age? Do you know, like, do you have, I know you have siblings, but like, <laughs> did you just grow up with that competitive edge? Like, how did you get that? Yeah. I think just to piggyback off what you said before I answer that question, I think the power of failing is truly how you get better, right? I think people think failure mm-hmm. is the opposite of success, but in reality, failure is a part of success. Fail yeah. is F-A-I-L, first attempt in learning. Yes, I did not make every catch, right? I may make it seem like I do, but I don't. But the reason why I make the big catches and the big moments is because I learned from the small ones that I missed. And it always came down to, okay, could I take in one more step? Mm. Mm. I analyze every time I miss the ball, right? I never look at it as a failure. I look at it as an opportunity to learn because I guarantee if I miss one ball in one spot, that ball will never be missed in that spot again, right? Now, there are all these other instruments, all these things that could happen. I will miss balls in different areas, but that one spot, that will never get missed again because I learned from that past one, right? And I think that that's how you have to think about it. Mm. And if you can look at it as, okay, dope. Thank you for that lesson. I learned and it will never happen again, right? Like you think to the player, tip off to the player, you just got me better today. Better hope we never play each other again because (laughs) that won't happen a second time, right? Like that's the mentality. Get excited for those failures because Mm -hmm. you know when you meet those people again or that circumstance happens again, it's going to be a whole different story. And that's that's the fun story to tell, right? Mm. But then I think that when it comes to my competitive edge, if I had that my whole life, I honestly have, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't like to lose. And I never did as a kid. And, you know, I had fun playing my other sports, but I had fun if I won. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, losing yeah. just was not something that I, and I was never a sore loser, right? I like shook people's hands. I never sulked, but I think I was just very hard on myself as a kid and always very hard on myself. So even if I had a great game, I played a lot of team sports, but a lot of things were individual. Like cheerleading is a team sport, but I could be a tumbler, right? So if I don't hit my stunt, I'm screwed, right? Soccer, it's a team sport, but if you miss a kick, like there's just a lot of different things Mm. that you don't really get as many chances to come back from that you do in softball. So I was just really hard on myself. And I think that that's something that was built in from just the rewards I got from winning and the rewards I got from the hard work that I put in. So I was always super competitive because I knew what I was capable of. I would just get pissed off when I didn't meet my expectation of myself. It just kept going, right? And I think that, I don't know, I don't think that's something you can teach. I don't think you you can't beg someone to want to be good. And you don't have to beg someone that's good to be great, right? You don't have to beg the greats to be phenomenal, right? Those are things that are inside them. Those are things that they want to do. And if you find yourself having to ask yourself, even as an athlete, ask yourself, oh, am I going to do this? I don't want to do this. You don't want to be great. If your parent or your coach has to tell you to do things multiple times, you're okay with being good. And being good, Coach Trini used to always say this, Coach at LSU, being pretty good is actually pretty bad, especially if greatness is attainable. And if you're going to sit back and just be good when you could be great, then you're never going to reach your potential. And I think that that's something that's ingrained in people. But, you know, my dad also told me when I was growing up, when I told him I was going to get a college scholarship, now this is probably like 13, 14 years old. And he said, 
there's always someone better than you. So you better be the one that's working harder. And when I tell you those words stick in my mind, even to this day, like the thought of someone being better than me is enough to make me want to vomit. Like I just, I hate it. And he's not, and he, he knows me, he knows how competitive I am. So he knew words like that would just eat at me. And they did. And, you know, it, my work ethic, I was always a hard worker, but it just accelerated after that conversation with my dad and it never let up. Mm, wow. We need to get that quote that your dad said on a t-shirt. I know. Pretty, I really should. I mean, I really if it should. fires you up, or maybe we just need all these parents that are listening to tell that to your kid today. If they, if they don't, don't want to do it. Always, but I think you also have to like know your kid though, because, yeah. you know, there's some... You, he could say that to me, but he wouldn't be able to say that to my youngest sister, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to know who you're dealing with and be able, I think that's the value of like coaches that take the time or parents that take the time to truly dive into how their child needs to be taught. Cause not everyone is the same. Not everyone is going to have that same mentality. I need you to push me. When I screw up, I need you to, to like tell me everything I did wrong. I'm an overthinker. I'm someone that's think I think I could have caught that ball. I need you to tell me yes or no, right? Don't hurt my feelings if you have to. I need to know the true answer. But then there's some people that you have to, you know, be more gentle with. Like, this is what you should do, da, da, da. And um, I think that's when you know the player, you know the person, that's when you can get the best out of them because not everyone can be like talk to you the same way, I think. <laughs> yeah. I've interviewed so many people here. I mean, even JT Gasso said the same thing. I mean, I'm sure Beth Serena, the, the reason why your team is so good is because she knows how to speak to each individual player the way they want to be spoken to or need to be spoken to. I remember mm-hmm. I played better when someone made me mad. And so I remember this at bat. I was, I'm a lefty just like you. And my first base coach, I was like looking at him one time and he goes, you want to hit a double to left field? And like, he said that to me, like most people, you can't say that to them. Right. And, and I was like, bet, like, let's go. Like, right. <laughs> Cause we had a runner at second. Like, I think that was the tying round or the winning run. And I was like, okay, you don't think I'll do it. And like, in my mind, I still know that he only does that to like grind my gears. Um, and I freaking did it. Like I did it like that at bat. I was like oh, only yeah. looking for pitches to make that happen. And I did that. And then he just like looked at me and started laughing. And he's like, do you want steak for dinner tonight? Let's go to look. <laughs> Yeah. But I love that. No, it's yeah, like yeah. competitive edge. But I will say, I think like one thing too is like he can't say that to everyone. Like not everybody right. will be able to take that. I mean, it's probably because my dad was a little bit harder on me and he was that father figure that he never doubted me, but he always pushed me. Like that was kind of what I needed. Um yeah. and it sounds like a lot is the same for you. Like you need somebody in your face, like telling you to do stuff. Well, I need someone to be honest with me, because I am a harsh, harsh critic of myself. Mm-hmm. And my coaches, I think Coach Sharina realized that. And like, and my parents all realized that. Like, I'm not someone that you can come to and be like, AJ, you should have done this. I'm like, yeah, no, no crap. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've outlined everything I've done wrong. If I had all these amazing things I did right, I'm focusing on what I did wrong and how I can make that better, right? So I don't need you to do that too. What I need is when I come to ask you a question, you be brutally honest with me about that and how I can get better. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't tell me that this could have happened or that could happen. I want to be better, right? I want to make sure that I can get to a level where I don't have to come ask you the same question again. So I need someone that's just going to be straight up. And I love that how your coach challenges you. I'm the same way, you know, and I think that it gets to a point where, you know, someone tells me, AJ, I bet you won't do this. 
And I'm just like, like, I just never, I don't even, I don't want to have a conversation. We don't need to talk. Like, got it. Noted. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Right. And, you know, I think that those things are just really fun to compete with. But as you said, some people don't want to do that, but me and you do. Yeah, we (laughs) do. We love that. Can we talk about your just swag for a second? Like if I were to think of one player in this game that just has so much swag, believes in their abilities more than anybody, I truly believe you are one of the top five people I've ever watched um, have this. And I think it's something that it's worth praising, of course, but there's actually some, it's actually from a video that you made. I think it was like 2018. And just these sentences stuck out to me and I'm going to read them back to you. You were repeating it in the video. So this might feel weird that I'm saying it now. But you said, I will not wait for someone else to give me permission to love myself. I will not water down my swagger or my abilities just because others feel uncomfortable. I exude confidence from my head to my toes. Take me back to that statement and why it's so important to you. Yeah, you know, I think that as women in sports, we are often told how we are supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to perform. And we're not allowed to be aggressive. We're not allowed to be passionate. We're not allowed to love ourselves, right? If I'm super confident, someone thinks I'm cocky, right? If a guy is super confident, it's like, oh, I love that attitude. I love that energy. I am not a lot of that same opportunity or women are not typically a lot of that same opportunity to be super confident because not just from society, but even from, you know, other girls, sometimes it can get catty when you see someone like, oh, she thinks she's all that. It's like, yeah, I do think I'm all that. I do. And you should think you're all that, right? We should all be our own biggest fans. And, you know, I think that when you love yourself, it's almost like an act of rebellion because we're taught so often to not love ourselves. We're taught so often that this is how we should be. We should be meek. We shouldn't celebrate. We shouldn't be loud about our accomplishments. And I don't think that at all. I think you should be loud as heck about your accomplishments. You should celebrate, yell to the rooftops. If someone doesn't know what you did, you better let them know, right? I think we should all embrace everything that we've done. Because as I said, if you're not your own biggest fan, if you're not clapping for yourself, no one else is going to. And, you know, I think that, it can make a lot of people uncomfortable when you love yourself. It can make a lot of people uncomfortable when you're doing your own thing and you're not rolling with the crowd. You're not listening or you don't care what other people think or say you're doing your own thing. A lot of people don't like people that do that. Right. I think it's evident in just history. We don't like people that don't conform in society. Mm-hmm. We don't, we always have to attach some label to someone that's going to just be their true authentic self, regardless of how other people want to present them as and I think that that is the cool that I, oh, I love people that just don't care and that just are hundred percent themselves. I may not be a fan of yourself, but I love that you love yourself. I love that you are going to be a hundred percent you, regardless of what I think he thinks, she thinks the next person, I respect that to the highest, highest amount. And, you know, I think that it's so important for young girls to know that you are beautiful, you are confident, and that it's going to make some people uncomfortable for you to to know that and for you to walk in that and for you to step in that truth. And you should do it anyway, right? Because the two people you make uncomfortable, you are inspiring 48, right? There's always a double amount of people that you are inspiring 
to the people that don't like it or the people that feel uncomfortable. And once you can find that confidence in yourself to continue to move forward, to continue to push that, regardless of what people think, uh, you will find that you have no limits and there's nothing that you can't do because people want to keep, especially women, not confident. Like it's a business for women to not be confident. It's a business for women to doubt themselves. That's how men get ahead. Men never doubt themselves. Men never have to, right? And yeah. so if you are a woman and you can step into that truth, for me, those words, that's what that embodies, being able to know who you are, be confident in who you are, and to always, always live exactly how you want to live and be who you want to be, regardless of what people have to say. Do you? I think we need to like <laughs> just stop the podcast now. Like, I think <laughs> do you? Yeah. No, I, no. I get freaking fired up about yes. that because I think everyone. Muhammad Ali is my favorite, one of my favorite athletes. And not just because of how he performed, his mentality, the way he mm. loved himself, the way he knew he was the greatest, the way he called out how he was the greatest, how he would say, I'm the fastest. I'm so fast. I can turn off the light and be in the bed before the room was dark. I'm so pretty. Like that level of confidence and for someone to be so direct about it. It's not something you see all the time, right? Kobe Bryant, another example. Like you're just, you're not going to outwork me. Mm. Period. Do you understand that what was the common theme here with people that show that confidence? They're legends. Those are all legendary people. There's a lot of great athletes, a lot of amazing athletes, a lot of phenomenal athletes. Very few get to call themselves a legend. And when you hear who are the legends, you hear about them and all of their confidence. So be legendary. Yes. So how do you think that mentality that you have has led to your successes? Like, obviously, I don't think you can do the things that you've done without that mindset. How much do you think it has impacted all of the amazing accolades you've had and still have yet to attain? Yeah, I think it just comes down to being fearless because I think fear is something that people allow to freeze them. And, you know, to anchor them in situations, we're afraid to do different things. So we never even try. And really the only failure when it comes to fear is inaction. And, you know, I think that fear is not real. It's something that we make up, right? Danger, circumstances are very real, but we choose to be afraid of it, right? If you can change your mind and change that fear factor, I'm never afraid to make a diving catch. I'm never aware if there's a fence, if there's a wall, if there's a person, I don't care. I want to make the play, right? And I have completely eliminated my sense of fear. I will run into a wall, I don't care, right? And you know, I think that that mentality of I'm going to be the best or I'm going to get this done no matter what is something that I think has helped drive me through my life, through my success, my my career, because I am not afraid. I think one of my favorite quotes is that, find me someone that's afraid to look bad and you'll find someone you can always beat. Mm. Always. You cannot be afraid to look bad. You can't be afraid to make mistakes. You can't be afraid to try something new because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone has something to say until you're the best at it, yeah. right? Everyone in the beginning is a critic when you become an expert now now you got people those same critics are paying to understand what it is that you did mm. right it's the same system over and over so i think being fearless and not just in the game but being fearless outside of it i just 
you have to think about what is most important to you and making the play, being the best, being an All-American, the goals that you want to reach have to override the things that you are allowing to become your fear. Yeah. And you have to repeat it. I mean, I'm all about goal setting. And like, if you're going to make a goal happen, you have to be able to think and act and speak like that person. Like if you want to be an All-American, you have to literally remind yourself every day that you are in pursuit of that and you are worthy of making that happen. And it's up to you. Yeah, that's so good. Hey, y'all. One of the questions that people ask me all the time, and these are parents asking me, how can my daughter gain more confidence? Well, this was asked to me at the very beginning of COVID, and I knew it was a time where athletes were struggling with their mental game. So when it comes to being confident, it really comes down to a few things. It comes down to believing in all the things and all the training that you've put into yourself and truly believing that you are worthy of making those things happen. And I am sharing some of these tips with you guys inside of the $7 Goal Smasher course. So I believe that confidence comes with having a goal and finding and seeing progress towards it. So inside the $7 Goal Smasher course, basically are 14 days worth of 30 minute exercises, which last time I checked, a lot of kids are on their phones for 30 minutes or more a day. So I feel like this could be 30 minutes well spent, especially because they're gonna see progress in themselves in their belief system. So there are 30 minute prompts from doing a check of what are the things that your athlete is great at. Sometimes athletes that suffer with confidence issues, they forget what they're great at and they only think about the things that they're not. So there's multiple exercises to work on that. There's also some exercises to simply talk and express their feelings with their parents. This is also something that's not easy for athletes to do, but when it happens, the magic happens. I swear, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me telling me, wow, that was powerful. I'm so glad my athlete could do that. You can just tell she got stronger today. So if your athlete needs a little boost of confidence and has 30 minutes a day for the next 14 days, I want you to head to www.ashleybtraining.com and sign up for the $7 course. It's under the train with me tab. I cannot wait to meet your athlete virtually because she's taken this program. And honestly too, I know we've talked about the Smash Tribe membership before, but Smash Tribe members get automatic access to the $7 course as well. So that's an extra perk inside the membership that you guys will have access to as well. So www.ashleybtraining.com, click on the train with me tab and let's get started on our mental skills today. With that, let's head to the rest of today's episode. So were your parents like a big influence on this confidence that you've just exuded from every ounce of you? Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, I think my, both of my parents are, my dad is, he has a presence about him, you know, and it could be a lot of his career. My dad is, is a judge. And when he walks into a room, he commands attention. Mm. He's very confident. He holds his head up high. He never looks down. He knows his abilities. My dad is one of the most intelligent individuals you will ever come across. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of how I carry myself, I get from my dad. You know, I think that from our whole life, it was always kind of like, even, you know, in college, they tell us everything we do represents the university, right? We can't get in trouble because it's going to come back on the softball team, yep. yada, yada, yada. 
And, you know, I think that even when I was younger, it's kind of that same mentality where everything I do is going to come back to my family. And, you know, I just always carried myself with the highest esteem. I knew who I was. I knew what I was capable of. And, you know, I think a lot of that was me modeling my dad. My dad had the most confident and amazing public speaker. I am able to be a great public speaker because of all the years I watched my dad do it. And then, you know, my mom is just someone that she's always going to uplift you. She's just so positive. She's just someone that she's just super, I don't even know how to explain my mom. She's just super goofy. And, you know, the times where like my dad's super serious, my mom's super goofy. And I think I'm like this perfect mix in the middle (laughs) where like I walk in, it's so funny. Like I walk in, I think people typically think that I'm, I get all the time that you're intimidating. I don't really know what that means because I don't think I'm intimidating at all, but I walk in, I think it's just the way that I carry myself. And, but then as soon as you meet me, I'm just like, Hey, like, da-da-da. and so it's just like Truth. this perfect mix of the two of them. And, you know, I think that they both just really instilled in myself and my sisters that we can do and be anything that we want to do as long as we put the work in. And, you know, I think that my confidence from that is that I truly believe I can do and be anything I want to do and be as long as I put the work in. And I always put the work in. So Mm, yeah, I think I can do anything. (laughs) So this may be a question. I don't know. I just, I'm very curious. Were there ever days where you just, you know, when you were younger and you're like, I'm tired, like, I don't want to. And like, somehow your dad is just like, oh, but that goal that you said you have, like, it won't actually happen. Like, did you ever have days where you doubted or let's say didn't want to do something that like your parents had to kind of like nudge you a little bit? You know, there are times when I got like a little bit burnt, like basketball, I got burnt out of, you know, but, and I was kind of just over it, like in the middle of the season, but my parents always, drove me or made me understand that I always will finish something I start, Mm. right? So I'm not going to be able to just end this season because I don't feel like it, right? And, you know, even though basketball ended up not being the sport that I was in love with, right? I think that those lessons really got put in place in the sport that I do love, which Mm -hmm. is softball. Mm -hmm. And with, I'm never going to give up right? It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how miserable I am. It doesn't matter what this day looks like. I'm going to complete this because that is a part of my character. Mm. That is who I am. And at the end of the day, who you build yourself to be your character is what's going to outweigh any accolade, any sport, any accomplishment, right? Your character, I think what you do when everyone is watching is that's who you are as a player, what you do when no one's watching is that's who you are as a person. That's yeah. your character. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that for me from, you know, wanting to give up basketball and my parents really driving, no, you're going to finish what you started. That built my character into softball to where the days where I'm not feeling well, or I don't feel like I'm doing good. My feel is awful. I'm not hitting the ball. Like I want, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not going to give up though. I'm going to find a way because it's not a part of my character isn't to just throw it in. Right. And so, you know, I think that that's definitely something that has been instilled in me and my dad, that, that reminder um, from when I was younger with basketball that really applied and really built me up as a player in softball. No, that's really good. And I was curious too, because I remember there were days 
where I'd be like, I don't want to hit in the backyard right now. Like, I just don't. Like, I'm tired. I have homework. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being a kid, like, we can shy away from our goals for a second. Sometimes we, you know, we get consumed with drama at school, blah, blah, blah. But I just always remember my dad being like, wait, but you want to play D1 softball. What would a D1 softball player do? And I would always think of Caitlin Lowe because she was like my idol forever. And I was like, she'd probably hit today. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd go hit. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm glad I did. So no, I think that's really good. Like they just keep us headstrong to like who we are. And like you said, your character, like we, I don't play anymore. And I think those characters, the, the character that I built when I played that my parents helped me kind of figure out what that was. It's, that's the thing that's still with me. That's the competitor that's still in me. That's the person that, you know, will never, you know, not finish something she started. And so like, and with softball, like we can't play our whole lives. I mean, I wish we could, and we're breaking barriers and trying to make it happen. But, you know, just knowing that you do have that forever, it's really important to instill that, especially at a young age. I love that so much. Um, can I quote you again? Because there was something you said again on another podcast that I loved and you said, (laughs) let accomplishments be your voice. Can you dive into that sentence and why it's important to you? I think in sport and in softball, you know, we play a sport of failure, right? There's no other sport you can fail seven out of 10 times and still be considered a great athlete. It's just, you're not going to see it. And, you know, I think throughout there's times where you go through lulls, right? You could have the best five games in a row and then have the next five and it'd be like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, the love and hate relationship we have with this game, right? It's beautiful, but it's difficult. And we have to overcome adversity time after time after time. And I think that it can become very, very mental. I think sport, especially softball, a very mental game like softball, It's something that's 80, maybe even 90% mental. And I think that you're going to have a lot of people doubt you as a player when it comes to those times during those lulls, right? During those games that you don't feel that you aren't playing well or that you're not doing your best. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that doubt you. And what you cannot do is allow those doubts to consume you. You cannot allow those doubts of other people to deter you from your goals or define you as who you are as a player because only you can define yourself. And so you use those words or the doubt as motivation and you work hard in silence, right? If you're not starting, if you're not a starter on a team, you continue to work hard in silence. You take this extra reps, you go to the field early, you stay late. You don't need anyone to pay attention to you. You don't need the glory, the praise. You just do what you have to do in the dark and you allow success to be your noise. You allow those accomplishments to be the voice for yourself. You don't have to talk about it. It's honestly unnecessary, right? You just work hard in silence. And when it's your time to shine, you let that success be your noise and you be so loud with that success that people have no choice but to listen. They could put headphones on, they could walk away, but your noise is going to be so glaring that they will, they have no choice but to pay attention. And I think that that is really important. Don't ever allow someone or something to define you. You define yourself. And when it's your moment, 
you get to write your story. You get to write your chapter. No one else. Wow. That's so powerful. You know, you saying that made me think of, you know, many voices, especially in my early career of people doubting my abilities. I had a high school coach say I'd never play D1 when I told him I wanted to. There was a girl on like my, not on my high school team, but on like our rival team that like when I committed to Purdue was like, she's going to ride the bench for four years. And like literally just like people saying these things all over and it was literally my fuel to want to be like, okay, well, go watch me just kick. I almost said, you know, what I probably shouldn't say on a podcast where kids listen, but I wanted to actually kick absolute butt and show those people that like, hey, like I, you don't have to hear it from me. Just my actions will do the talking. And I think that's really important. Do you have any scenarios in your life, especially like maybe key ones that people truly doubted you and it kind of really fueled the fire for you? Yeah, 100%. So the first one I could think about is in high school. I think I was in middle school at the time, but I was about to be going to high school and I was on my travel ball team. I played higher up. So I played with a lot of high school girls and two of the girls were already in the high school that I was going to be going to. And the high school I went to was very good at softball. They went to states the year prior. They went to like the finals and all that. And, um, I remember telling them, like, y'all, I can't wait till next year. Like, I'm going to be the starting outfielder or start whatever. I was like, I'm going to start. Like, no one starts as a freshman. No one starts as a freshman, AJ. And they're, like, laughing about it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to start. And they're just like, ah, no one starts as a freshman. And I just remember thinking, I literally can vividly remember this moment. We're at practice in the outfield doing fly balls. I'm in line. The two of them are behind me. Coach is hitting. Like I literally close my eyes and I'm there. I remember just thinking, okay. Like I just remember being like, okay. And like, I just didn't, I stopped arguing. There was nothing to say back. I was like, okay. And so then, you know, four to tryouts for a high school team, I make the team. I didn't start like the first couple of games, but again, I just kept working. I'm like, okay. I just kept working. And in my mind, it's just like, okay, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Ended up starting, I don't know, probably like the third or fourth game and had been a starter throughout my whole career in high school. And, you know, that was kind of the first moment where it was almost funny. Like, you know, I think you get to a point where you have so much confidence in yourself that people doubting you is like, Okay. And I keep mm-hmm. saying, okay, but it's just kind yeah. of like, and I don't know if people can see my facial expressions, but <laughs> it's just like, LOL, you going to see, right? You're going to eat your words. It's going to be really funny when you do. I'm not even going to say, I told you so when it happens either. I'm just going to be like, Hey, I'm starting tomorrow. And then I'm just going to keep moving. Right. There's nothing needs to be said. And I think the most powerful proof of the pudding is what you put out. And, you know, I think it's so funny when you don't have to remind people of how great you are because they are thinking about it every single day, right? It's there. It's evident in what you're doing every day. It's evident in how you prove them wrong. But yeah, you know, I think that's probably one of the moments that stick out to me the most. So I like to air these podcasts on YouTube as well so people can like watch the conversation. So basically anybody listening, I'm going to recommend you go to the YouTube and watch yeah, cause, her face okay. because it was, it's literally like the, they don't know me. I'm about to show up, about to show them what right. I made up. You have no idea who you're yeah, talking to. Like you have to, no huh? idea what's about to come. That's no, it's so good. No idea. Yeah, no. But that's uh, the funniest part. It's like, you really have no idea who I am, huh? But I think that also 
you can take that into, or I've taken that into just hitting or being on the field, right? And it's kind of like you get up to bat and the pitcher gets you out the first AB and you come back and it's like, okay, like you got me once, but honey, you're not going to get me twice, yeah. right? Then you get yeah. to the play and then they make you try out a second time. It's like, all right, celebrate, mm. celebrate that. Cause no one's ever going to get, you are not getting me out a third time. Right. And the mentality is always the next, mm-hmm. always the next, you know, I don't, so I don't look at the past. I don't know her like she's gone. Right. I'm only looking to what's to come. And, you know, I think that you create yourself to be work so hard that you almost have to reintroduce yourself every year. Like last year, the inside pitch, I didn't like that. Hello, I'm AJ Andrews. Nice to meet you because that inside pitch is my best friend this year, right? Like every Mm. year it's like, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea. No idea. Yeah. You think you know, but you have no idea. You have no idea. So as a lefty, and you can do all the things, like you hit for power, you can drop a bunt, like it's your day job, you can slap. What do you do when an outfield is like on the edge of the grass? Because they think that like you can't get it over their head. How does AJ Andrews think of that? Yeah, that's my favorite. I applaud that. I'm asking you to come up, honestly, because I think that's the silliest thing ever. Don't do not do that. I mean, mm-hmm. if you really want to, fine. But, you know, I think that when you are a slapper and, or a hitter that slaps, right, someone that has power but is good at all facets of the game, right, you can slap, you can bunt, you can hit for power, you can slap for power, uh, you have no idea what I'm going to do. So you're better off just playing normal right? Playing in normal depth, being prepared for anything. And I think that's the beauty in being able to do anything because they have to be ready for everything. But you know, Mm -hmm. it only takes that one hit for them to learn their lesson. Like, okay, honey, move up, please. Uh, I'm about to collect this triple real quick. Let's get this going. You know what I mean? And, um, but you can't try so hard. You just have to do your own thing. Cause sometimes I think I see the alcohol move up. I'm like, Oh, all right, that's it. That's it. You asked for it. I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) And then, you know, you fly out. And so I think that you just have to keep doing you. And I think that's so important. Remember, never allow, don't adjust your game to other people, right? You keep playing your game. You recognize the field, recognize what they're doing, but you come up and you decide what you want to do, right? And you just make it happen. Don't allow the field, the defense or the coaches to make you play outside of yourself or change your plan or change what you want. So then moving up by my plan was to power slap that AB because of what I had already witnessed. Boom. And you moving up is only going to give me a triple. Thank you. Right. I'm not altering anything because of you. Mm, That's so good. So your sister's currently at LSU, your alma mater. I believe she probably has a lot of your characteristics. She has her own, of course, because every athlete does. And I have a younger sister in college too. And I'm like, she does her own thing and she does it well. But I feel like she has a lot of similar traits to you, especially, I believe, that confidence muscle, at least what I see. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever she's up to bat, I'm like, I think I'm looking at a, at a newer AJ. Like, and she just hit her first out-of-the-park home run. 
Can you tell me how you felt as your her older sister when oh she did that? Oh my god, I don't know. If you watch my story, I was literally geeked out. I was so <laughs> excited. And just the fact I travel so much. And so for me to be able to be there and to witness it, I was just I started cheering up. I was just so because that was something that she wanted to do her whole career. She wanted to hit a ball out of the park. And you know, I just I love watching people achieve their goals. Like I I can't explain to you how excited I get watching people succeed. Like knowing that this was something you wanted to do and that you accomplished it. Like I am anyone's biggest fan that has done that. I just love that. And for it to be my sister, someone that I've watched play softball her whole life and just watch the kid that she's grown from like started playing softball to now playing college to reaching a milestone that she really want to reach her whole life. I just, you know, you can't help but get emotional, especially if it's your family. And yeah, no, I was so, so proud of her. And gosh, I hope it's not her last, but even if it's not going to be her last, it won't be her last. She's going to keep going. She is freaking, she's put in so much work this season, especially after last season, you know, very disappointing for a lot of athletes. And, you know, I think this year it's very personal for her. And I'm just so proud of everything that she's doing. Mm, Yeah. Just like you, I witnessed my sister's first home run. She's more of a power hitter. She doesn't slap. But by the way, let's just talk about the fact that the ball over the fence was a slap. Yeah. And it hit the freaking scoreboard. It didn't just like tip over. Like she nailed it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so impressive. But the same thing, I have my sister, Christina, I remember I was in Palm Springs. She was playing Oklahoma. I was there with my mom and I'm standing behind home plate, of course, videoing every single at bat because like, I get it, parents. I get it now. Like, yeah, I know. You, you, your heart is was, pumping so hard. I was videoing every at bat except for that one. I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm just going to sit and watch. And then freaking boom. And I'm like, yes. oh, of course. But it's, it's funny. I wouldn't, they have, actually, I wouldn't have caught it though. I was moving too much. Like, as soon as the ball was hit, I was like, go, go, go. And then right. I, I wouldn't have caught the video. I wouldn't caught You'd it, make so. everybody dizzy with yeah. if they did watch it. But yeah, Here's they actually hit the run in the same spot. <laughs> they both hit it to right center. It was like oh. literally just perfect. How did um, you feel? Oh my gosh. I was like, did that really just happen? Like, is this real? <laughs> like it was a high and inside pitch. It was Paige Lowry. They just won the national championship the year before. And I'm like crying just like you. I'm just like, this is crazy. Cause you just know all the work that they put in on themselves. Yeah. And like, it just paid off in like an instant. So it's just like, yeah. And outside of it's everyone unreal. else, like, you know, a lot of people can know the work they put in in college, but we literally, we watched them from the moment mm-hmm. they started playing softball to now their college career. It's just, yeah, full circle. The big, proud, big sister moment. I don't know. I know. <laughs> and I, Christina was always, I remember being at lessons and she'd be in the other cage, just like, you know, swinging like me, yeah. you know, just trying to they've play. Just, and it's they've like, literally modeled after us their whole life, come to all of our games, supported all of us. And now that we can flip it. And I mean, we went to our, their games, I'm sure, when we were younger, but. Like in college, I didn't get to go to any of her high school games because we always had a college yep, season. Me neither. And so yep. to be able to be able to see her at this highest level playing, it's just everything I would have ever wanted. Yeah. Well, she's got a good role model to look up to for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So millions of questions I want to ask, but I really want to dive into Barrier Breaking Women, your brand new podcast, because this thing is just starting, but I already know from listening to an episode that like, this is going to be 
groundbreaking in all the ways. So can you just tell us a little bit about the podcast, maybe what made you want to do this and your hopes and dreams for it as well? Yeah. So the podcast, as you said, is called Barrier Breaking Women. And it is a podcast where I will be talking to Black, Brown, women of color, and minority women in and around sport about their unique challenges and adversities that they face on their way to success and how they've overcome so much and all the different things they've overcome in order to triumph. And, you know, I think that it's so important to tell these stories and me being a Black woman in sport and just, you know, over this past year, having to watch so many disappointing things and being around a lot of, you know, ignorance. And I've had so many young girls, young Black girls, and their parents reach out to me and just tell me how what I'm doing is inspiring them, telling, asking me to say just a couple words to their kids, you know, telling about what they've been going through. And I just felt like it was so important after hearing all these conversations. And when I tell you, it wasn't just like one or two DMs. I had mm-hmm. over like 10 20 DMs on these same instances, these same topics. And for me, I think it's important if I can touch one person, but to know that I would at least be touching those 20 people that DM me and more, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's so important to tell those stories of those women because so many women of color or minority women go through different experiences when it comes to sport that other people probably don't even know about, definitely don't experience, but also don't know about. And I think perspective is important. And sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, right? And so for me to be able to tell those stories, people to be more aware of what's going on, not just people that don't experience it, but of course the young girls that do experience it and can learn how they can navigate those waters through these women, how they can have women that they can inspire to be and know that it does get better and know that if you can just do this, this is how they handled it. This is what they did. Maybe you can do that too, but you will get through it and you will be successful if you choose to. But I think again, representation is so important and sometimes you have to see it, hear it, to believe it, to achieve it. And I hope my podcast really allows a lot of girls to be inspired and to believe it. Yeah. And, you know, I have not gone through anything that you have. Is there anything that, you know, stands out to you where there were stereotypes with you in your career or just people just being ignorant and not understanding who you are and what you are able to do? Like, do you have stories of that that we can learn from? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's difficult. It's upsetting. You know, I mean, my first encounter with racism or just pure ignorance was when I was, I mean, maybe 12, 13, I was young and um, a girl, I was on a team and the girl, one of the girls on the team, we just did not get along. You know, 12, 13 year old, you're not going to be along with everybody. You're not going to like everyone on your team. It just it doesn't always happen, especially girls. Right? Of course. And anyway, yeah. the coach was her dad. So it was a little bit of daddy ball there. And me and her kind of going back and forth one practice. And he comes like in the middle of the huddle in front of everyone and asks me if I think I'm some sort of thug. And yeah, 12 years old, 12 years old asked Are you kidding me? that to me. And, you know, I remember in that moment, you know, at this point now in my life, I know what microaggressions are, right? I know what ignorance is. I know what racism is. I know what it's derived from. And I know what comments like that actually truly mean, right? The weight of something like that. In that moment at 12 years old, right? I don't know exactly 
why it is he decided to say that to me. All I know and remember feeling was feeling very sad and feeling very just alone in that moment. I was the only black athlete on that team. And um, I remember after he said that, I just was just upset. Like, and I couldn't tell you why. I just knew it was wrong. What he said to me was just wrong. It was out of line. And there's no reason for him to even address me like that. And so I remember just leaving that practice in the middle of practice. My mom typically just drops me off at practice, goes run the errands and comes back. But she stayed that practice and was just like reading in the car. And I remember getting my stuff and just going to the car, telling her what he said to me. And we drove off. And that was my last day on that team. And, you know, I think everything happens for a reason, right? Why did my mom decide to stay that practice when she leaves every other practice? You know, and Mm -hmm. I think that there's no coincidences because, I mean, that ultimately led me to the amazing team that I was on after that. I think everything happens for a reason. Everything happens the way it's supposed to. But I think that that was probably my first encounter with ignorance. And then my second time was on a later team where I was making a play or I was I was running and, you know, I'm very aggressive base runner and I'm thinking I can take home on one ball. So I'm going home and it was a close play, but I ended up getting out. And the coach after the game comes up to me and asks me, am I really a softball player? Or am I just fast? And I think you have to understand the microaggressions behind that because that wouldn't be asked of a white softball player, right? When you are mm. in a black softball player, the stereotypes are you're going to be fast, right? A lot of black athletes get into softball. I'm like, oh, can you slap? And it's like, I mean, I'm sure I could, but I want to be a power hitter, right? My speed should have no, should not deter me from being whatever it is that I want to be. And I think a lot of the times as black softball players, you get into the sport and it's kind of de- determined for you what position you're going to play and who you're going to be when you play it. And, you know, I think that it's so important to, that's why I speak on defining yourself because it's so important to do that and confident in it because if you don't, other people will. And one of my favorite quotes is, if you don't say something, I can't remember exactly who it is, but if you don't say something, if you don't speak on your plight, if you don't speak on what you're going through, right? People will kill you and say you enjoyed it, right? You have to voice how you feel. You have to voice what you think is for you and you have to voice what you want to do and what you want to be, or people will create their narrative for you and other people will run with it. And so um, I think that my podcast is an amazing opportunity to hear their narrative and to hopefully inspire young girls to create their own. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can't even imagine what you went through, especially because you were so young when these things happened. Do you wish you would have said something in that scenario? Because like you said, you probably didn't even realize it until later. But if that is said to an athlete now, how would you want them to respond? Yeah. You know, I think that in those moments when you are faced with (laughs) just outright racism, I mean, it is what it is, just outright racism. You know, I think that especially being so young, I don't know, and and being a coach, right? I Mm -hmm. don't know that there's really much you can do other than to say, I am very disappointed in the person that you are, the character that you are. It does not reflect me as a person. You do not get to define me as a person. And that should be your last day on that team. And you find someone that's going to celebrate and to uplift you. A lot of anyone's success is the people that's around them. If you don't have someone that wants to celebrate you and believe in you, then you need to find a team and a coach that will, because someone will, 
right? I think we make mm-hmm. the mistake of thinking that no one wants to be on our side and that is absolutely false. And, um, yeah. you know, I think it's so important when you're faced with those circumstances that you find a tribe and a group of people that will uplift you and will not fill your life with just pure ignorance. And yeah, yeah. so anyone that's facing those circumstances the way that I did, that I don't know what you can say to an adult because that adult should have known better. I think that's what you should know right. first. That adult is in the wrong and that they should know better. And it's not your job as a child to correct that adult, but it is your job to tell your parent and let your parent handle it how they want to handle it. But right. I would advise finding another team. And because if that's someone that he's saying that to you, he probably doesn't really support you. And it probably isn't no. saying you in a great light to college coaches, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think that that's a yeah. blessing in disguise because boom, now you're going to find a coach and a team that are really going to uplift you and celebrate you and get you where you need to be. Yeah. And see you as you are and like literally want you to succeed in every way. And that's just, I just, I am baffled by those words. I just don't understand how that can come out of someone's mouth. Especially to a child. Like you're talking to mm -hmm. a child. (laughs) Yes. Who respects you. Like, I'm sure you had the utmost respect for every coach you had. And like hearing that from someone who you respect, it's like, wait, did that really just happen? Like, I don't understand but it's real. Like this ish is real. And I'm so glad we get to talk about it. And I'm so glad you have a podcast that's just bringing light to these situations because I think it's so crucial. I'm actually going to steal one of the questions you asked on your podcast because I'm curious about this. But when is the first time you really fell in love with your skin and who you are? Yeah. Thank you for asking. I think the first time that I really fell in love with my skin was probably when I was going to prom my senior year in high school. And I think for so many years, I just playing softball, you know, being in the sun all the time. And it's this society's viewership of beautiful was always lighter skin, right? And it was always, if you are black, in order to be a pretty black girl, you have to be a light skinned black girl. And you know, for a long time, I kind of bought into that narrative. And as I think a lot of black girls do and my senior year in high school, going to prom as I'm getting all dressed up and getting ready to go. My mom wants to put like all this makeup on me and I'm just looking in the mirror and, you know, it's almost like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm looking in the mirror, getting ready for prom. And I just remember thinking, God, I'm so beautiful. And I didn't have a lick of makeup on and I've just had my hair done. I had my dress on. I'm like, I am, I am beautiful. And it just was, you know, one of the first moments and because for a long time, you know, whether it was about my muscles or my body, like I'd been told like, Oh, you look, you're manly or, you know, AJ, your skin is dark. Like a lot of these things that really took a hit to my confidence and it just, it just happened. I don't, I can't explain it to you. It's just like, you're beautiful. And I didn't want to put any makeup on. My mom was like, well, at least put mascara on. I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> and I, so I did, I put some mascara on, but like my prom pictures, I don't have an ounce of makeup on. I have mascara on and that's it. And I even look back at those pictures today. And I'm like, oh my God, I am so beautiful. And, you know, yeah. I think that that was a moment where I really fell in love with my skin and who I was and allowed from that day on, like I wore makeup, you know, but 
I don't feel like I have to, right? I wear makeup yeah. because I want to. And I'm so mm-hmm. proud of my beautiful dark skin. I think it's gorgeous. I think my skin shines in the sun. And I think that I soak up the sun. And, you know, I think from that day at prom or getting ready for prom was something that kind of set the stage for the rest of my life. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, I was listening to your podcast. I'm like, I love this question. And I don't even know if anybody's asked you this question. So I was like, I need to jump on that. Wow, I'm so excited for the future of this podcast. Like, I just can't even tell you. I love podcasting. And before this, before we started recording, we talked about why you love it. It's just to have conversation and really just not be afraid to talk about things. And I think it's just a beautiful thing. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done was with Kiki Stokes and how real she talked about, you know, the This Is Us softball and how, you know, that one tweet, that one transformational tweet actually ended up, you know, turning that negative into something super, super positive for this world, especially in the depths of the George Floyd and everything that was going on. So it's a, it's a great time to come out with this podcast. And you brought it out yesterday is when I listened to it It was international women's day, but it's like women's month. So like best time to come out with a podcast. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was very intentional with that. And I was thinking like, do I want to put it out for black history month or for Women's History Month. And, you know, and then I realized, oh, I'm going to be speaking with more than just Black women, more than just women, too. I mean, the men that are allies to us minority mm-hmm. or women of color and being able to kind of give those that perspective, right? Kyrie Irving has been someone that has supported women in sports. I can't even tell you how long. He paid for some of the WNBA players that took the season off. He paid some of their salaries. Like, that is someone that, is doing the ally work that is necessary to help move women in sports, you know, forward. I wish Kobe Bryant was still alive. Oh, I would love to have him on my podcast. Rest in peace. Because he's another person that has been putting so much hard work into women in sports. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Women History Month to celebrate these stories, celebrate these women that deserve to be celebrated and sometimes get overlooked. So that was, I was very intentional about it. And that's why I really wanted to put it in Women's History Month. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving's a a potential podcaster. Who else do you dream to podcast? Well, 100% Serena Williams, Serena Venus Williams. Would love, love to have them on. Would love to have Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, his letter that he wrote to his daughters or the little girl that wanted a shoe, I think would be cool to Mm. talk about. And um, right now, those are probably my dream people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good that's a good start to the list. Are you kidding? I know. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Well, to wrap up today, I would like to ask you five final questions. Okay. Um, they're like rapid fire. I call them five to thrive. So I'm excited to hear your answers. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. What's your favorite part about the game of softball? I think my favorite part about the game of softball is that any moment can be your moment, right? You could have struck out three times in a row, you come up your fourth AB, bases loaded, and you hit the game running RBI. You know, I think that that's just the coolest facet of softball that you can never be counted out and any moment can be yours. Mm, Great answer. What's the greatest lesson your parents taught you? I think the greatest lesson my parents taught me is that there's always someone better. So you better be working harder. And Mm. even even in those moments, though, when, you know, you may come across someone that is better, 
my favorite quote from it's Derek Jeter's quote, but it reminds me of it where, you know, it's hard work means talent when talent doesn't work hard. And so, you know, I think my parents really instilled that hard work in me. So why well, I believe I have both. If you if you can, you know, do something a little bit better than me, you still won't outwork me. Oof, that's good. <laughs> And it's probably one of the biggest reasons why you're just kicking absolute butt in everything you do. Uh, love that. Who is someone that you look up to and why? Um, someone I've always looked up to is Natasha Watley. And, you know, she's just that first black softball player that I had an opportunity to idolize and to feel like I can be and do anything I want. I saw a future in the sport of softball because I was watching her play. And so now for her to be someone that I've, I remember after my first or second little league game, I was watching her play UCLA play Michigan at the world series. And that's when I became a Natasha Wally fan. And that's like when my dreams be got bigger and brighter and what I wanted mm. for the future. And now she's someone that I can text and ask advice. So from sitting in that beef O'Brady's after my second freaking <laughs> little league game, eating curly fries, watching her play to now being able to text her, you know, I think that she's still someone that really inspires me every day. She is a beautiful light on this game. And I loved asking her that question when she was on the podcast because like she has, and I've heard multiple people say that exact answer. It's like, you see so much more potential, you know, when you see someone that you look up to, like Caitlin Lowe is my Natasha Wally. Yeah. And like, that's so cool that, that you found that. That's amazing. Um, if you could give advice to your 12 year old self, what would it be? I think my advice to my 12 year old self would be, don't be so hard on yourself, kid. Have fun. Just have fun. Do you. It all works out. You work hard and you enjoy the game and you remain confident. It's going to happen for you. Don't try so hard. Just play. Play. Mm. Know that the work you put in is going to work. Know that you are prepared. Know that you are talented. Go out and let it shine. Mm. Look at all these positive affirmations you're just throwing at yourself. <laughs> It's like put up the post-it notes on the, on your wall or the bathroom mirror. Yes, like it's, that's it. it does go a long way. No, it does. It yeah. does. I wish I would. I'm very spiritual, so I believe highly in affirmations. I believe very much in uh, the power of self-belief. And I wish I would have known that a lot earlier in my life. Yeah, so good. Okay, before I ask you the final question, I know so many people are inspired by you and the work that you're doing. So where's the best place people can find you? Yeah, you guys can all find me on every social. So Instagram and Twitter, it's AJ underscore AJ, what? AJ underscore <laughs> Andrews underscore. And I'm on LinkedIn, just AJ Andrews. I really don't even know how, does LinkedIn have a, like a handle? I don't know. LinkedIn. I don't know. It might. <laughs> Facebook. You can find me, but find my, like my uh, sport page on Facebook. I got locked out of my regular page. So go to my sports page and I lost my <laughs> password. So I have no idea. And oh, um, yeah. And then with my, I'm on TikTok as well. So at the AJ Andrews. Love it. What are you putting on TikTok? Are you doing a bunch of slapping stuff, diving plays? Yeah, it's all different stuff. I do funny stuff sometimes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of funny, low key. And what I'm finding through TikTok, <laughs> and but yeah, a lot of a lot of softball stuff you can find on there. But also, you can find a good laugh here and there too. I love it. I love it. I love that my listeners got to know you, you know, and I love this too. It's like my favorite part. It's like you get to know the person behind, you know, the golden glove and. Oh, this has been so much fun. Okay, so I'm gonna find, I'm gonna ask you the last question. Are you ready for I'm it? I'm so ready. All right. What legacy do you want to leave 
on the sport of softball or just the universe? Yeah, I think the legacy that I want to leave on the sport of softball is that any and everyone can be successful and can reach the highest highest achievements in this sport, whether someone told you you can or cannot, and you can look just like me and do it. And that, you know, there's really nothing we can't do. I hope my legacy is that I've allotted so many young girls to dare to have bigger dreams and to stay too focused to be defeated and, you know, always working towards what it is that they want to do. And I hope, I hope that's my legacy. And the proof that the word impossible is a dare, not a declaration. Mm, that's a beautiful thing. Way to sign off with that. I love that answer and you are doing an incredible job of it. This podcast is just, you know, just starting, but I can see it blooming into something incredible. And that legacy has already been living on. And I know so many have been inspired by you already. Um, but thank you so much, AJ. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Love this. This was great. Me too. Wow, there is so much we could learn from this conversation. How about when she talked about the fact that fail is the first attempt in learning? Oh my gosh, if we can instill that to our kids, holy smokes, they're gonna look at failure as like, bring it on. I love her perspective on failure. I love how she mentioned how she wouldn't have been recruited to LSU without have diving for that ball during one of her tournaments literally going all out in every play, you never know what will happen when you do so. You just have to do it and see what will happen. She, again, is one of the most confident people I've ever met, and I think you have maybe ever met on today on this podcast. And if you were inspired by this conversation, please let us know what your favorite parts were. Go to Instagram, tag me and AJ so we can see what parts resonated best with you and maybe what you felt really just impacted you the most that you're going to take action on today. That's what I try to do with this podcast is give you people to look up to that you can really just look at the way they play and play like them so that you can realize that your potential is just as high as theirs was. And they had to believe that a better version of them was out there in order to attain it. I just love her quotes, like the, let accomplishments be your voice. Are you kidding? That is one of the most powerful statements that she made today. And she is living it out day in and day out. Please go follow her on social media. She is such a light in our game and is really trailblazing the world, especially with that new podcast, Barrier Breaking Women. Find in the show notes where you can find Barrier Breaking Women. And like I said, go follow AJ. She's doing such incredible work. And there's a lot more to come on her end. And I don't want you to miss it. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I'm excited to see you guys next week. Bye for now.